it seems to me that some mornings we wake up and the world just delivers an awful lot. And this is one of those mornings. We sit here, of course, in a virtual format because COVID continues to surge, not just here in our community in Jackson Hole, but across the country and across the globe. We in North America awoke yesterday to the news of tsunamis um, as a result of a volcanic eruption in the Pacific and watched Hawaii and the Pacific coast of the U.S. and other parts of North America brace for destructive waves that would come to our coasts. And then in the afternoon, as we tuned in to the news, we watched a synagogue in a suburb of Dallas be held hostage and a number of their parishioners, including their rabbi, be held hostage. Um, again, conflict erupting out of religious fundamentalism. And then tomorrow we celebrate and remember the good work of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the equality that his work and so many others brought to the shores of the United States of America, even as we seek deeper equity today. It seems that there are some mornings where the world just delivers so much to our thresholds, and today is one of those days. And, and when we have those days, my mind always goes to the filmmaker, Terry Malick. Maybe you remember his films. Terry is a meaning maker in his work, and that's the work of religious and spiritual people, to make meaning, to make sense out of the world that we live in, to have a sense of um, what we would understand God's call on our lives to be and then to execute upon that. And Terry, as an artist, does a masterful job of doing that in his films. Never blockbusters, more fine art. Maybe you remember some of those films like The Thin Red Line or Badlands or Tree of Life. His skill at making beautiful art on a visual screen is outstanding. And one of the things that I love and appreciate about his work is that he's able to take a storyline and have that storyline run through all of creation, bringing meaning to the lives of his viewers while also helping us make sense of the world around us and giving us a compelling story. We as religious or spiritual people have this work ahead of us of making meaning in the world in which we live in. And we do it quite honestly, I believe. It is our calling to do it. And sometimes we make these connections that seem at first outlandish. How can you connect COVID and a tsunami and a hostage situation in a synagogue in Texas and Martin Luther King Jr. all under the same morning guided by 
a sacred and old story, but that is the task that we have in front of us this morning to find meaning amidst both chaos and beauty. I want to address this story that we have from John's gospel this morning head on, but I think there are a few things that we need to point out before we can really suss out the meaning that might guide us and and propel us in the days and weeks ahead. The first thing that we should acknowledge is that in John's gospel, we inherit right at the very beginning of the story, full speed Jesus. Where in Luke's gospel, Jesus we have that, that, that birth narrative and Jesus comes to age rather slowly. This morning, we're in the first verse of the second chapter of John's gospel. Jesus is already an adult, has already called his disciples around him, and is beginning to function as a rabbi, as a teacher, as a minister in the community in which he lives. And we know from John's account from this story that Jesus is this very morning in this story in the neighborhood where he grew up, in Galilee. So he is a known quantity to the guests that are attending the wedding. Another thing that we should have a sense of before we really unpack the trajectory of this story is we should come to an agreement about what a wedding does or what marriage is. And the Episcopal Church is very invested in this particular story when it comes to its marriage liturgy. If we were to open up the pages of the Book of Common Prayer that I have here in the pulpit with me, you would, you would read in the, very, in the preamble to the marriage liturgy, the bond and covenant of marriage was established by God in creation, and our Lord Jesus Christ adorned this manner of living by his presence and first miracle at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Those of us who ride for the Episcopal brand have a sense that this story is an important one in the trajectory of our own denomination. But I think something else is important to point out. The marriage liturgy in the Book of Common Prayer, this liturgy that's more than 500 years old, is very clear about what's happening on a day like the day that Jesus um, and his disciples are are in the midst of in, in this story. It says, as you can read from the title, a celebration and blessing of a marriage. And so we have to have some consensus about what actually happens at a wedding. Maybe different than the Teton County Courthouse or the Internal Revenue Service, the church has an understanding that when two people come together on their wedding day, some at some point in the past, they began to marry one another. They began to put two lives together, to commit themselves one to another. They picked up a practice that we call marriage. And on their wedding day, we, those who attend that wedding ceremony 
or referencing the story Jesus, his mother, the disciples, and all the other wedding guests push pause on this couple's practice of marriage. And they do two things. They celebrate that reality and they bless it with their presence and prayers. And then the next day, bride and groom select the pause button again or push play. And they pick up the practice again of marrying one another. It's a shared practice. That's why we say, until death do us part. It's a shared practice. A practice that one alone cannot pick up in the absence of one's partner. So this story gives us full speed Jesus. It also gives us a wedding ceremony an opportunity for a couple and a community to celebrate and bless the loving work that two individuals have picked up. And then there's this other marvelous detail that we have in the story of of Jesus' first miracle at this wedding in Cana. You heard it, read by Brian Um, The party is in full swing, and the wine runs out. Uh, Jesus' mother, Mary, comes to Jesus. So we have this understanding that Mary already sees something in Jesus, too. The disciples are there, and they're following him. So we have some sense that he has some authority already within the community, but it's something that his mother also sees in him. And she brings it to to his consciousness of like, hey, we're in trouble here. The wine has run out. We will not be able to celebrate at the level we need to celebrate if we don't get our hands on some more wine. Jesus at first says, you know, what does this have to do with me? This is not my wedding. I'm not really ready to come out. Mary, without referencing her son, directs her attention back to the servants, right? Do whatever he says. I know this teacher. I know that his work will be about the good, will be about celebrate, celebrating and blessing. And so Jesus then takes a look at these three stone jars, these jars that are we can assume are empty, no longer have water in them, because they have already been used for an old uh, religious ritual, ritual cleansing of the wedding guests. They've already washed their hands. It would be, if you grew up where I grew up, it would be something akin to the fact that um, when you eat seafood, they bring you a little, a little bowl of water with a lemon slice in it to cleanse your hands afterward. This ritual that positions, uh, that takes a religious position of um, most things are dirty and need to be made clean, the ritual has already been enacted. Jesus takes these very religious symbols and instructs the servants to fill them with water, then directs them to take a ladle of the water out and deliver it to the steward. The work of Jesus' miracle here, and we should have some sense 
that miracles are not, in our sacred text, about astounding those who are um, in Jesus' company in the moment, but miracles are about teaching. And the teaching that Jesus is intending to do is taking an old way of thinking, an old religious way of thinking, and making it fresh. This idea of you were dirty and you need to be made clean. This idea of you were broken and you need to be made whole. Jesus is turning this upside down and saying, no, the meaning that we make out of life is about celebration and blessing. There's this moment where the steward is astounded at the quality of wine that shows up in these earthen jars. And he makes this wonderful statement. It's a little humorous, right, if we think of it. Most people serve the good wine first, and then when everyone becomes intoxicated, then they serve the cheap wine because in their intoxication, people will not know that they are drinking cheap wine. But the point that Jesus is trying to make is that celebration and blessing is endless. It's always there. It, it's not something that could be, should be held in reserve, but it should be shared. And its resource is infinite. When we wake up on a morning like this morning, a morning where the world seems to be delivering us an awful lot, COVID, natural disaster, fundamentalist religious violence, again, the remembering of a great, loving, American hero. When we wake up on a morning like this and we inherit from our religious tradition a story like this and we begin to put them together, I think the work that we have to do here as religious and spiritual people is to remember this beautiful lesson that Jesus' first miracle. That lesson being, don't hold blessing in reserve. We as religious and spiritual people have a sense that being present to the present moment, even being present to the present moment, without judgment, being present to the present moment without judgment and in kindness and compassion is the position that we take in the world. But from this story, we might also gain some sense or remember that the work that we have to do is about celebration and blessing always. We may have a tendency, especially as we've been struggling over the course of these last couple of years, 
to hold a little blessing in reserve with the expectation that life is more struggle than it is celebration and blessing. But what I hear in this story on this very morning is the Rabbi Jesus assuring us that we need not hold that blessing in reserve, that we will experience a miraculous refilling when we need to celebrate and bless the people in front of us. Amen.